Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest, Billy Alvaro. He is the host of the Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth Podcast and has started and built multiple real estate-related organizations with a combined $1.3 billion worth of volume on an annualized basis and has been involved with over 11,700 real estate transactions. Billy, super excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, buddy. Good to see you. I'm a little bit of a wreck today. Just got done working out. So don't <laughs> mind my workout gear. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> excited to excited to have you on the show today. And you know, the, a few numbers that popped out to me when I was reading your bio was one, you know, the billion dollar. That's obviously, you know, that's quite quite a bit. And then also the the eleven thousand seven hundred real estate transactions, as that is also quite a bit of real estate transactions. But if you could go back and and think about earlier in your career, what decided, what, like, why did you decide to get into real estate investing? And how did you really go from thinking about getting into real estate? And then now you're all the way, uh, all the way up to those thousands of transactions. I know that there's probably a lot of steps along the way, but I'd love for you just to go back to the beginning and, and really, yeah. you know, talk about why did you decide to go into real estate? Yep. All right. So good question. Just to put those stats in, into context, that business that you were speaking about was my mortgage company. The mortgage bank was doing over a billion dollars a year, and the mortgage company was doing over 11,000 transactions a year. So real estate related, but I wasn't buying the real estate. I was actually lending the money to people to buy the real estate or to refinance. So I just want to put that in context and make sure we're, we're saying the right thing. Um, but regarding, regarding real estate, like I got involved with this business when I was a kid. I used to watch on, on a TV the infomercials and it was a guy named Dave Delgado. I don't know if you're way too young to remember him. <laughs> Older guy, dark black mustache. And he I would watch his show like it was his infomercial like it was a real show. And he would talk about how he would from Hawaii, how he would buy properties, no money down, and at the closing get a check for like six or eight or twelve thousand dollars. And I was just intrigued. Like how what's the secret that this guy knows that I need to know? And I was watching him and it's, I don't know if I'm going to be exact dates. I was maybe 13, 14 years old. I mean, I was young. And I remember telling my mother, I want to see this guy. And she thought it was a scam. So, of course, I'm 13, 14 years old. She's not going to want to take me. It was a couple hundred dollars to go see this guy speak. Fast forward, I've always had this drive to want to do this. And I ended up buying my first house, graduate high school, 18, 19 years old. A small house. Mom and dad gave me a few thousand dollars as an investment to buy this, this property. And then from there... I went to Florida, bought a two-family, and I just realized that in order for me to become wealthy, I'm not a scholastic guy, so I have to do something with business and take that money from business and invest in real estate. It wasn't until I got involved with the mortgage business that I really started understanding how finance works and how I could start doing these creative deals. And it's at that time that I said, you know what? I just started putting a lot of money into hiring real estate. Uh, rentals before Airbnb became a big thing. We had a lot of these share houses out in the Hamptons and in Fire Island. And 
it just one thing led to another thing and it just took off Trev. You know, I just was in the right place, the right time. But more importantly, I took action on the stuff that I believed I wanted to do. And I didn't allow my inability with school or my inability of knowing what I needed to do. I just said, I want to do it. And I just figured out the how as I started going along. And as being a real estate investor and, I know you, you know, you mentioned you, you got started, you know, you got the loan from your parents and then you, you know, you bought a two family down in Florida. What is sort of your investment strategy look like at the moment? Are you still buying, you know, let's say properties to single family rentals? Are you looking into multifamily commercial properties? Do you mind just sharing, you know, some of the insights into your portfolio and what that looks like for our audience? Yeah. So we have multiple, um, multiple different revenue streams that we have inside our business. So we have one platform that is solely transactional. So that's the wholesale business where we just, get them in a contract and flip them over. Then we have from the wholesale, we have our own renovation company, construction company where we buy them and renovate them, but still transactional because we flip them over and sell them. So transactional business in this real estate game, it's investing, but it's really not investing because you're in and you're out. You're making large chunks of money on the rehabs, hopefully if you're doing it right, or you're making a small chunk of money on the wholesale. So I look at that part of the business as the money that keeps the lights going to reinvest back into my marketing, to reinvest back into get more deals to eventually then parse out some of those fix and flips or wholesale, keep them as a rental property. So we have a rental portfolio of about a little over 50 units. We have, I have investments in um, mixed use properties. I have investments in drug rehab facilities. I have investments in um, old age homes. I have investments in a small strip shopping center. So there's multiple things that once I'm making the cash, I'm putting it to use. We have, you know, a 50 unit uh, development that we're, that we're building out. So I think once, depending on where you're at in the real estate investment game, for me, it worked for me. You have to have a combination of cash now and wealth later. And there's a lot of gurus who teach, you know, only invest for the future. It's great, but what are you going to do for the next 20 years as you're trying to build your portfolio? You have to have cash flow coming in now that you can live on. And it might not be derived from your rentals, but if you're wholesaling or if you're renovating, those chunks of cash, you can live comfortable, but you have to be smart. And I wasn't as smart when I lost my mortgage company that we were speaking about. I was flat broke. And instead of me getting into this business full-time real estate investing and taking a portion every sink after like, let's say three deals and investing into a buy and hold. The first five years I did this business, I didn't buy and hold anything. I was solely flipping to get cash because Trevor, I mean, you know, I was close to $14 million in debt. You and I spoke about this, I think on the podcast when, when I was on with you, um, it was just, it, it, you have to have a combination bottom line of cash now, cash tomorrow, and cash for the wealth for the future. And you do that by wholesaling, by renovating, and by building a, a rental portfolio. And out of curiosity, when you became, when you were going to real estate, had you been investing in real estate prior to 2007 or did you hop into it after 2007? So when I was, I'm 51 now, I bought my first house and I was 19. So you're talking 31 years ago, 32 years ago. Wow. But I never did it, Trevor, as a business. I would... I didn't understand. I didn't have the knowledge, the know-how of real estate the way I have it today. So back then when I was buying, I didn't know how to analyze. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do construction costs. I didn't know how to buy the right way. So I just saw a piece of property. I saw that if I put a little money in, I can get a small cash flow of two to $300 a month. So I bought it. 
And then I did the same thing in Florida with the two family. I lived there for free. And then I bought another one. So prior to 2000, I got into this full-time 2009 after I lost my mortgage bank. I lost my mortgage bank at the end of 06. So for three years, I had no money coming in. From 1989 until about 2006 when I lost the business, I was buying real estate. I was buying a lot of it. But the difference was I wasn't buying it professionally. I really, even though I owned the mortgage bank, I really didn't understand how to analyze these properties the right way. There was still a lot of unknowns. And to be honest with you, the market was so good back then. I got lucky with a lot of the deals in the beginning because the market was on a trajectory like this. So you don't have to be a rocket science rocket scientist if the market's accelerating at the rate like it is today, mm-hmm. where if you buy a piece of property and six months later, it's worth $40,000 more, that's not smart investing. That's gambling. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I didn't realize back then that I was just, I thought I was an investor, but I really wasn't. I was lucky with the market. When the market crashed in 08 and I was flat broke, I looked at the market and I said, okay, what's the opportunity? In, in July 4th, 2009 is when I basically came out of my, my own skin and I'm like, I can't, I can't feel sorry for myself anymore and go through all this bullshit. I got to get myself back to where I was at one time. My ex-wife got it into my head that do the real estate. You've always wanted to do it full time. And I looked at the market and I said, the market conditions at that time in 08, 09, it was decimated. Like there were tons of foreclosures on the market. Everybody was losing their property. And all the guys that were in the business, the real estate investing business, they were running the other way. They were going in the foreclosure because their tenants weren't able to pay them. So it was a complete clusterfuck. It was a mess. I looked at it and I said, where's the opportunity? So there's always a silver lining in every cloud. What's the opportunity that we can get into right now to start serving the people and at the same time get paid? And the answer was obvious. It was REOs, real estate owned, which is foreclosures and short sales. So I, in 2009, I went in completely focused, laser focused on understanding the nuances in New York state, the foreclosure laws, the short sale process. And I owned a bank and a title company. So I had a little bit of an edge because I really had this education from years of being in the business that really helped propel me to the next level with this real estate side. Once I learned how the mechanics worked, and I understood how to break through all the red tape, I was off to the races running. I had no money, no credit, no job. So you can't let that hold you back. If somebody's listening and they're young or old and they're bankrupt, or they're just starting out and have no money, don't allow that circumstance to hold you back from getting to where you want to go. You just need to be resourceful and figure out what can I do? Who can I do it with if I want to get into this business? And I said, all right, no money, no job, no income. I had to first find somebody with money. I found him. He invested in me to invest into the deals. I mastered on how to find properties, how to fix properties, and how to flip properties. And I was off to the races running. And out of curiosity, when you when you mentioned these these properties, let's say you know back in two thousand nine, and you mentioned New York, were you investing? I guess you know obviously New York is is quite a big state, and I'm and I'm familiar with it from my fiance. Uh, I'm living there. Were you investing towards the city? Were you also, you know, going back to Florida? Where were, I guess, where were the properties where you first started off? Yeah. You know, built, you know, rebuilding the, uh, the investing side of the business. Literally right around where I was. I started right from my house and I went out 15 mile radius. Suffolk County is where I lived at the time in Long Island. And I said, this is where I'm going to do it because the foreclosures were through the roof. 
And I saw that real estate agents, other investors, they were running away from all these short sales. They didn't know how to do them. And I just made it my business to learn. Listen, they call it a secret because people don't really know about it. It's not a secret once you know, but there were secrets on how to get these deals done, how to negotiate with the banks, how to put the paperwork together that regular guys didn't know. Now everybody knows it's no longer a secret. People know how to do short sales. It's been around for years. Back then, I was on the cusp. Like I was, I was in there making it happen, figuring it out as I was doing it. And I, it just took off for me. But the key thing is, you know, you have to, you have to have the balls to do it. You can't be afraid because, you know, I say this in every podcast I'm on. Things are going to go sideways, Trevor. Things are going to get fucked up. Mistakes are going to happen. The ball's going to drop. An issue is going to pop up. You have to have the mental fiber and the emotional fiber to actually break through that and realize it's not the end of the world. You got to put your big, pull your big boy britches up, like pull them back up and get back to work and figure shit out. A lot of guys, they get into this business, they get hit once, they get knocked down and they're like, oh my God, I just lost $10,000 on that deal. And they're like shaking in their pants. You can't, you got to just figure out what you did wrong and then make it better for the next time. That's really one of the secrets that people don't realize to success. It's failure is your friend. It's not to be feared. You have to embrace it. Now, hopping back into the real estate business and someone, you know, that's, that's thinking about getting started and they're worried about, you know, overcoming a challenge. Let's say they, they rent out or they, they buy two family and they get it. And, uh, you know, something needs to be, something expensive needs to be replaced. Maybe it needs a new septic. Maybe, you know, there's, there's an oil leak in the basement. You know, there's, it's something that's terrible. You know, as your experience as an investor, what's probably one of the harder challenges that you had to come over when you've gone out there and purchased the properties just so our audience can hear from yourself how you you know overcame this challenge and and the setback when you were you know purchasing whatever the property was so i'll tell you i'll tell you this one of the mistakes i made um when i was first getting into this business is i didn't i didn't invest enough time on my due diligence so real estate is all about discovery first you have to get the deal and then you have to discover are there any underlying issues and you do that simply by getting a due diligence period, whether it's a week or two weeks or three weeks, and then go in and get your reports, hire the experts. It's going to take you a little bit of money. You're going to have to spend a little bit of money. Like, you know, you're going to have to, if there's a buried oil tank, get it tested. You don't want to buy a house here in New Jersey. If you buy a house with a buried oil tank and there's a little bit of oil, it can cost you 20, that leaked out. It could cost you 18, 20, $25,000 to fix that because it's like a huge thing here. So the key thing when you're buying real estate, if you're going to buy it to hold it as a long-term buy and hold investor, or you're going to buy it, renovate it, and fix it, this applies. It, what I'm saying right now does not apply if you're going to wholesale property. It's a completely different animal. Wholesale is just about getting the seller to agree to a number, and then you're going to go and market that contract to another buyer who's going to take all the risks. That buyer is going to do all the due diligence. Right now, the question I heard you ask is, as an investor who's going to buy and hold or buy, fix, and flip, the key thing you want to do is due diligence. Find out, get an engineer, get a home inspector. If you have, like in New Jersey, radon is a big thing. Buried oil tanks are a big thing. Septic, septic systems are a big thing. And those are all big ticket items. So if you're going to invest, spend a couple hundred dollars up front, get that stuff checked out. And if it's an issue, then you can utilize that with the seller or with the agent, depending on where you're getting the deal. You can leverage that as a negotiation tool to get the price lower so you could then have the money to fix those things. Yeah. Now, 
Yeah. Now on, on the flip side to that, Trevor, if you're if you bought the house, all the inspections passed, and it's three years in, and shit hits the fan, and something happens. I always tell my the people that I'm working with, look, when you're doing these properties, take ten or fifteen percent off the top of your rent every single month, and put it to a side account. So when shit does go sideways, you don't have to reach into your pocket. You have money in a separate account that's ready. It's there for a rainy day. If the roof goes, if the septic system goes, if your boiler goes, you'll have $1,500, $2,000, $3,000. So it's not really going to hurt your pocket that much. I think that's, that's excellent advice, especially on the due diligence. And I think, you know, the way that the market is now, you know, I mean, I've been looking to purchase my, t- my first two, three or four family. And a lot of the times, you know, getting out bid on offers just simply because people are waving their, waving the due diligence. And that's, that's crazy to me, you know, if I'm investing, you know, 10, 20,000 in a property and, you know, there could be a 10, 20,000, you know, problem just as I buy it. So it's definitely a, a crazy market. And I can definitely see why, you know, having the due diligence period, it just makes sense. And I feel like it's, it's sort of just stupid not, not having it because, you know, because you could just find things that, you know, were preventable. And I know I just feel like people are buying properties that, that aren't that, that just not worth the value. At least that's what I'm seeing from what I'm, tr- I'm trying to go out there and, and start into my real estate investing career. They're speculating. People are speculating right now. And they're doing now what they did back in 2005, six and seven. They're not caring about the asset. They're just wanting to get the property and they're overbidding. And they're buying from emotion, not from common sense. And when you stop buying from emotion, you want, when you're selling a property, you want your buyers to buy from emotion. When you're buying a property, you want to buy from the, from the mind. You want to buy from numbers and sense. And if the numbers work and the deal makes sense, you execute the contract. If it doesn't, you don't do the deal. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect advice. Now, I want to hop over back into how you've been able to, to build your business. And I believe that at one point we were... We were supposed to talk a couple months back, and I believe that you were going away to, uh, I think it was Puerto Rico for a month, and you're still able to run your business from there. So I'd love to just go into how you, you know, you've obviously in a lot of different areas in real estate, but how have you been able to build a team and how have you been able to grow a business for, you know, you know, maybe not remotely, but at least, you know, having the team in place that can take care of any issues that arise? So uh, first off, building teams is what, what I've been doing for the last 20 years. My mortgage bank, we had 950 employees working at that company, we had 42 different offices. So understanding that when it comes to business, you could have the best processes, you could have the best systems. And a lot of people, a lot of books always talk about, you have to have a system, a system, a system, and a process. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. You need to have good systems and good processes. But if you don't have the right people in the right seats to manage and work those systems and processes, you're dead in the water. Every business with the exclusion of some very few ones where they're all 100% online, they're business, they're people-oriented. You have to have the right people process along with the right systems process and the right process process. So for us, now with this business, different from when I had the mortgage bank, I'm 100% virtual. When COVID hit, we had two offices. We went virtual from March until June 30th. We didn't skip a beat. I surveyed all my employees and every single one of them was more productive, happier working from home. They had work-life balance because they could, like Justin, my manager, he was able to see his wife and his kids in the morning. He could work, then he could take off an hour or two and go and take his kids to a doctor's appointment and then come back to the office. And then his wife goes to bed. He's working a little bit. So he's working. And a lot of the guys and girls in the office are working more hours 
but they don't feel it because they have that work-life experience, that work-life balance. The other thing with going virtual is you get the right people in place. Now you have to have the right systems to manage this thing. I went to Puerto Rico for a month and I didn't skip a beat. I didn't, the, the business didn't miss anything. We had a great month. I was working from Puerto Rico just as I worked from New Jersey, but I have the right technology in place. I have the right reporting systems in place. I have the right KPI dashboards, key performance indicated dashboards in place. And all it really is, is looking at exceptions. There's certain things I look at. And if there's an exception, if it's like, just say yellow or red, those are the things I have to look at. I don't have to look at 200 different items. Just what's the 10 that needs my attention. And then I work on those 10 with the team. I give them the, the marching orders and they handle it. I don't have to do day to day in the business with the company. I'm right now building New Jersey. So I'm like, I am in the day to day in New Jersey because I'm here with my girl and I'm building it. But New York, it's built, it's running, it's optimized and it's, we're crushing it there. That's perfect. That's excellent advice, Billy. And I want to be respectful of your time today. And I just have a few additional questions to ask you before we end the show today. And, and one of those questions is, do you happen to have a favorite real estate or business book that you'd recommend for our audience to read? Uh, so what the best real estate or business book. Um, so on the real estate side, well, listen, the old time favorite that everybody gets into is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the one book that if you speak to entrepreneurs or people who've invested in real estate, that's the one that seems to kick them off into their career of understanding cash flow and understanding how the wealth get wealthier. And that's the real estate investing. The one book that really set me straight when I was a kid, I got it from my uncle. It's As a Man Thinketh from James Allen. And that book is not business. It's really mind. And if you start really understanding how this affects your everyday life, how you think uh, really comes out and how you act and what you're going to receive. And I'm not talking law of attraction, hokey pokey shit, talking about real stuff. I mean, the mind is such a powerful thing and you could convince yourself you're sick and you're going to get sick and you'll feel sick. You'll look sick. The mind is powerful. And when you get that, and if you get that, you can go down a negative path or you can go down a positive path. And so as a man, think of James Allen's skinny little, tiny little book. You could probably read it literally in two hours. But what he speaks about in there with the mind and how you talk to yourself and how you can plant certain seeds, life-changing. That's an, that's an excellent, uh, excellent recommendation. And Billy, last question I have for you today is where can our audience find you? Yeah, you can go online, any of the uh, social media sites. I'm Unstoppable BA. You can go to my website, BillyAlvaro.com. You can either partner with me, learn with me, or invest with me. If you have money to invest, I'm here to help you. I'm here to put that money to work. You want to partner, have deals anywhere in the United States, call me, hit me, fill me out there. And then I put together, um, because my podcast is Unstoppable REI Wealth. You can find me on all the channels, Spotify, all the other ones. Um, But one of the things I did, Trevor, is I had so many people over the years, calling me and asking me, you know, what are you using for lead generation? What postcards are you using? What list source are you using? Um, what's that vacant house thing you talked about where you can take a picture and it automatically sends out marketing and gives the people's name. So if you go to billyssecrets.com, B-I-L-L-Y-S secrets.com, I list every single thing, most tools that we use in our business. And then when I interview my guests, I just put anything they talk about that's a tool I list right on there. So wealth of information, all free shit uh, to go away. Instead of going to Google and trying to figure it out, it's all right there for you. And um, 
I just hope it helps your audience, helps your listeners, and helps you. Thank you. That's that's awesome. I'll make sure to include it in the show notes of today's episode. And Billy, I just want to say thank you for your time today. Absolutely, brother. Good to have you. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.